0: The New Zealand Tech Podcast. Brought to you by Guerrilla Technology. Proactive and strategic IT. Greetings and welcome along to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. We're at episode 458. And our special guest this episode, David Morrison from Internet NZ. Welcome, David.
1: Thanks, Paul. It's great to be here
0: look it's uh it's amazing that we're this many shows in and uh and this is our i think our first time to uh to to have you or anyone from internet n really? on the show from what i yeah. can I can recall although my memory is is getting a little bit hazy around uh you know trying to remember what 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 we did on some of those episodes so uh
1: four hundred and thirty eights a heap that's, uh, I know so, we talked probably three four years ago about um arranging a time and yeah. Uh, yeah. The, wor- uh, the world didn't align at the time so. yeah oh uh, well great
0: yeah. great to have you here and and certainly looking forward to um, yeah, hearing some updates on on, on what um, internet NZ is uh, is up to sure. um, but'll uh, be first on. First up, uh, yeah, uh, some uh, some news. One uh, headline that, that jumped out at me uh, last week. I think it was in the Australian uh, media, and this was while I was in Japan. And I, there were there was a, actually a bunch of uh, Australian tech journalists uh, there, so um, yeah, it, it gave me a chance to give them a bit of ribbing without. Um, um, you know, getting myself in in in, in too much uh, trouble, uh, and it was to do with the uh, the NBN uh, Co over over there, uh, who of course are uh, the organisation uh, responsible for uh, delivering faster internet to Australians, and uh, have been for a long time uh, but they have taken quite a different approach to uh, to what we have uh, here in New Zealand and uh, they are proposing um, an an idea of uh, delivering uh, gigabit uh, connections to uh, to some locations at uh, i think a wholesale price of around um, uh, what was it uh, 80, 80 Australian uh, dollars so Gigabit download speeds, but I think the upload speeds were going to be li- limited to uh, yeah fifty megabits. So it's just interesting to see when we see mm. you know what's happening here in New Zealand, where we you know getting faster and faster internet speeds, and yeah, I think that you know the wholesale prices have been you know coming down. I think we we're, we're talking. Yeah, maybe sixty dollars for sort of wholesale price on that the gigabit connection. But of course, our upload speed is ten times what they're talking about here. Absolutely. Uh, and 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 as the um, the the Australian journalist reminded me, uh, most people connected to um, the NBN in Australia don't actually have a fibre connection. So. The likelihood of this being available for them short term is, you know, certainly, you know, some somewhat unknown, yeah. uh, because they've, you know, they've got the the, yeah. the last piece of the connection is as copper, uh, and then, you know, so
1: yeah, fair, but it's and, quite different to the UFB rollout here in New Zealand. So. Uh,
0: yeah, yeah, it is, and and that seems to be going along quite quite yeah. well. But we're now getting to, and you know, I guess with with the. Um, Rugby World Cup on at the moment. We get to delve into you know, some of the limitations of the of the current network. Although there hasn't really been much time to talk about that in the media over the last few days, because yeah. uh, Spark themselves have you know have, have had a couple of a uh, uh, couple of issues. Yeah. Uh. And, but but I think now that from from the discussion I had with them yesterday, now that their their sort of core, uh, you know technical issues I, I think they feel fairly confident mm. that those are ironed out yeah. now we start to look at what are the challenges people have with actually sure. uh, you know yeah. a, a streaming uh, something as as um, you know mm. of, of this broad interest
1: as the mm. rugby world cup at their varying locations yeah I think the core internet infrastructure in, in New Zealand's pretty sound you know we've got um, we've been building out a you know really robust UFB um, uh, uh, technology technology um, I think it's about seventy seven percent rolled out now across the country. which um, chatting to Crown Infrastructure recently, is about seven percent ahead of schedule. Um, uh, and the, the challenges I think with the, the spark side of things have been um, more at the, the either ends of that framework in terms of the, the upstream challenges, which I think they've, they've said they've now resolved. So looking to see how that happen, um, or how that manifests in the, uh, the upcoming games. Um, but then there's also the, um, the challenges um, within you know people's own. Home home Networks, um, so you can get you know, you know, great connection to a house, but then it's actually making that work from there. Um, and there's still, I think, a lot of education around um, you know what makes you know streaming work well um, in a particular household across different devices,
0: yeah. And look, if you, if you are somewhere where you get a good enough internet connection to start with, which you know, we know that's not a hundred percent of the population yeah. yet, and but we also know that that will continue to get to get better with uh, you know fiber reaching I think sort of 84 85 percent of the population mm. um, by what 2022 time frame then we've got uh, you know improving rural broadband and you know in varying varying forms 4G we will have I guess 5g will totally be a, be a part of that and the in the not to uh, in the not too distant future uh, the the wireless internet service providers or, or wisps yeah. and then uh, better satellite content Activity, uh, come you know coming online, um, you know hopefully not too long after yep. the rugby World of finishes. probably later
1: this year is what I've heard. Yeah, so, yeah.
0: Um, so uh, yeah, we might might have to get uh, Pacific back on the the podcast to mm. uh, to to hear about how how they've gone and you know know they've um, yeah you know, they've got that satellite. Uh, uh, going up on a on a, on a SpaceX uh, launch, so it's exciting. Um, yeah, pretty uh, pretty cool to 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 have um, that as a as an extra option. I think mm. to serve the the market, um, but yeah, as you as you say, there's there's you might get reasonable internet to your home, and a lot of people have been going out and buying new TVs and so on, mm. buy a smart TV, so it's all nice and easy. But then maybe. Uh, they haven't run an Ethernet cable. It's too far. What have you to their TV? Yep. Um, which look, you know, I think these days in our homes we 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 tend to use Wi-Fi Wireless. more more than anything. You know, very different to uh, you know what's typical, I guess, within a, a lot of hmm. um, you know commercial uh, premises. Um, and there tends to be that. Uh, and in a lot of cases, that issue that the Wi-Fi uh, signal isn't isn't actually you know, delivering great, yeah. good performance by the time yeah. it it gets to the TV or yeah. or whatever the device is. Right. So I think so,
1: and it'll be interesting to see um, now these technical issues are uh, you know resolved with Spark, and you know what the next round of games how they perform. Mm. Um, some of the uh, you know comments I was looking on on social media around my other streaming services are running fine, but this one's not. And so, um, some, my, my take on that is that those upstream issues, um, you know, with those resolved, you know, we should expect to see you know all of your streaming services. If one is working well, then all of them should be working well. If they're not, then there's something wrong with the service. So yeah, sort that, of,
0: the, yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a good a good way to to put it, and it's been encouraging that Spark have been saying, look, we don't we don't have in, you know we don't generally have issues with the capacity of New Zealand's infrastructure. That side's yep. uh, looking good. I think it became pretty clear from the discussion I had with Sky if you join up the dots and they they didn't they didn't name um Akamai but you know Akamai is the the um I guess the the, the big global entity uh that that you know caches Load, you know, loads and loads of content. Mm. A pretty big percentage, actually, totally. of uh, of 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 what we consume online uh, is cached by them, or if, you know, for bigger providers like Google and Netflix. They, you know, they're, mm. they're often big enough to have their own, uh, you know, caching capacity, which you know basically means servers or you know computers, some somewhat close to us, you know, uh, to to provide us. The content that we need, without us needing to use our internet connection to link all the way back to the US or Japan or mm. uh, you know somewhere else in the world, and it, and it certainly uh, seems like that there was there was a uh, a challenge in terms of how uh, how yeah, Akamai were uh, um, were handling the load and balancing the load, and mm. there's there's certainly uh, a level there where. Uh, you know, the, the technology is supposed to figure out how best to uh, to distribute that load, and sometimes these things don't work Quite as well as they should.
1: Well, and I, you know, I really hope the you know the, the lessons have been learned. There's been some good opportunities over the last few days to to understand where the problems are, and um, you know, there's um, I think. Uh, you know time now to to get the, the remedies in place for the, the next round of games mm. so. uh, if any listeners do want to feedback on on this topic um, would love to hear it's
0: always that first hand feedback I find is is the most helpful uh, and and we've certainly been getting getting um, you know getting that over over time. Around Spark Sport, uh, so feel free to get in touch uh, with NZ Tech Podcast on on Twitter uh, and also through the Facebook um, the Facebook page. You know either of those channels. Um, it's yeah, it's it's appreciated, and that information also helps me um, when I'm talking in the media. And of course, over the last three days, um, you know the phones kind of been ringing off the hook. So I can imagine. Uh, you know, yesterday afternoon it was uh, yeah Radio New Zealand, and in the morning. It was uh, TV3, and um, uh, did a couple of interviews for uh, for News Talks ZB. So um, you know that that feedback from our audience, you know, helps. Yeah. Um, with informing that, mm. and and it also gets back through to the likes of of Spark as well. Okay. So, um, you know, it's not a waste of time, uh, you mm. know, feed, feeding that stuff back. And I know there are other channels as well, and you know, I think it is important that we don't just sort of sit back and and get upset if things aren't working but we find that the channels that
1: can uh, you know help can help, help help bring results totally to <laughs> yeah. I mean I'm looking at your um, uh, your survey on on Twitter on the 22nd um, and uh, I think th- you know even with the issues that were in play 34% of your um, I mean, it was a small sample of about 92 votes but 34% had a you know perfect 17% great little glitchy for a few folks and then 20% saying rubbish you know so Yeah well that you know,
0: inter- that hmm. survey. Was interesting because I think that was Sunday night after, in in theory everything was uh, yeah should have should have been working better, Uh, and those I guess those types of online surveys can be quite uh, quite variable in terms of you don't know who's who's voting right, Um, but but. Uh, you know, I just put it out there to get a little bit of a mm. handle and, and see whether you know are we suddenly going to see everyone saying it's perfect, mm. But um, even, even when you know technically it seems as or, you know I think there was a, a lot of confidence from Spark and Spark have a whole lot of devices as well that they're they're testing on and monitoring analytics on and actually yeah looking at so um, when that when they pulled the plug on or didn't quite pull the plug but decided to make that switch on Saturday night. Mm. They were able to use, um, you know, I guess all those mechanisms to have a look and to say, "Hey, yeah, the, this isn't this it's isn't working experience. at the at, at the level that it should in terms of the mm. experience." Um, the other bit I found um, curious, and they shared some data with me, and I don't have the. Um, oh, I don't know if I've got the exact numbers here in front of me. Let me have a. Have a quick look, but um, it was a very high percentage after they uh, they moved from uh, just delivering the the stream oh, here we go, so the peak on uh, Saturday night with the um, new zealand the the all blacks um, versus, versus um, Austra- um, australia um, South Africa. Um, They said they got to a peak of 132,000 concurrent streams. Right. And their sort of design build when I spoke to them uh, maybe a couple of months ago was to be able to handle up to half a million concurrent streams. So it was certainly well within that. Hmm. Um, They said after they they switched to uh, live broadcast through TVNZ Duke, uh for, for, for anyone that they didn't lose that many streams so they went from that hundred and thirty two thousand concurrent streams, it dropped down to hundred and twenty six thousand. Well, I would've so, more so given given the most, noise. yeah, so most people mm. Still stayed with the with the streaming, and I think it, it did even come up on the screen saying, "Hey, you know, you can you can access it this way." Which, as, if you were having well. issues
1: in seeing the stream, you wouldn't have seen the message. Whereas, if you, you were seeing <laughs> it, you, you, yeah. you would have actually, if you were seeing the stream, well, and saw the message. You would have had the option to to switch across. So, yeah, actually, yeah. maybe oh,
0: I'm not. Maybe I'm thinking of Sunday night that they, they put that message up because on Sunday they did it on both. So no. I could be I could be off on that mm-hmm. that messaging bit. Um, yeah, they, yeah, they certainly did that on Sunday night. Whether they did that on Saturday, my yeah, my memory's not not a hundred percent on that. But yeah, I just I thought it was it was interesting that they didn't appear to lose to lose that many. And I think the the feedback generally was that um, that the consistency did uh, did improve. But mm. this, I mean, that survey I did on Twitter suggested, um, yeah, either well, it suggests a lot of people were having problems mm. on Sunday, but. That could be to do with their internet connectivity. It could be that um, those that responded were just those that didn't, <laughs> didn't have a great connection, or what, what have you. I think we, you know, we have to keep uh, listening to uh, to feedback mm. and your point around. Yeah. Well, if you if your Netflix and your everything else seems to be working okay, but your uh, sports uh, streaming isn't, then that, that would
1: would tend to suggest there's maybe something not not quite yeah. right. There. I mean, I, I've got a few of the um, streaming services that um so we use like TVNZ on demand. Um, we've got um uh, we dip in occasionally into uh, Amazon Prime and uh, Netflix, mm. and I actually find the the, the different um uh, you know streaming software perform quite differently from each other. Mm, Uh, mm. You know, Netflix is generally a much more responsive app than, say, the um, Amazon Prime one, but a bit slower to load and switch between things. Uh, The TVNZ app um, uh, takes a while to get a stream up and running, but once it's running, it's fine. Um, So uh, I think there's also things that can be done to improve the applications themselves on different TVs. Um, And so there's also... Uh, considering the age of TVs as well and whether you know, people are trying to you know, watch stuff on you know, older screens and it really depends on what kit they've got in the home and, and what they're trying to watch it on
0: Yeah and look I, I wonder about those who have gone out and bought an LG TV mm-hmm. for instance where initially Spark expected to be able to, you know, people to be able to watch on I think 2017, 2018 and 2019 TVs and yep. then in the end it's i think only made available the apps only available now for the 2019 TVs right and of course a lot of TVs being sold this year actually last year's model so there's maybe yeah. some consumer things there if you bought one of those or a family member did and it's not working i guess there's a potential you could go and uh, go and swap that out but it, uh, the impression i was given uh, by spark is that they are expecting to still be able to backfill the app to those tvs but it's become more of a challenge Mm. than what they thought so you know give give a 2018 tv another you know few months and it might well have the app not much use for watching (laughs) the world World cup Cup now um the device that seems to be um very common and and yeah, reasonably affordable Wi-Fi only is the uh, Freeview. Um, it's called Smart View. Little yeah. dongle type thing. Mm. It's kind of a, a very small puck uh, that you know plugs into uh, plugs into the TV. And I tried that. That was one of the one of the gadgets I tried mm. out over the weekend, and mm. it, and it se- seemed yeah. to work uh, very well with with the broadband we had. Mm. But I also used the Apple TV, which has the benefit of having an Ethernet port into it. So. Sure. From consistency, um, my smart TV is a is an older, yeah, I think it's pre twenty seventeen, and not you know not able to actually run the Spark Sport app you know, yet. Yeah. It runs Netflix and Amazon and sure. you know other stuff. Just just I haven't even like,
1: checked to see what mine whether mine runs it or not. But yeah. We've got a relatively new TV and yeah. upgraded for the first time in probably a decade. We've had a really really old TV for quite a long time, so it's uh, yeah it's quite transformational going to a. The, you know something with a bit more resolution than uh, than we had previously so no, interesting it'll be it'll be interesting to see how the uh, the next games go mm. and, um, but i think what it does highlight is the um the reliance um, that we're having as a country moving more and more into streaming services, and uh, you know that core internet infrastructure that we have across New Zealand, you know, continuing to build that out, and um, you know we're seeing um, ISPs, you know, more and more offering unbundled plans, increasing um, more and more gigabit services. Uh, and I was just looking recently at the um, Crown Infrastructure reports um, for 2018, um, and data downloaded per UFB connection per connection per month, it's about 297. Gigabytes. Um, so if that's an average, right so that's isn't it. Um, you know, I used to freak out when I was hitting over two hundred, and you know, if it's averaging three hundred, you know, there are some households that are doing you know vastly more than that. So, mm-hmm. um, and that's up thirty four percent on the previous year. Uh, so, uh, I think as a nation, we're going to be consuming more and more through that infrastructure. Mm. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, now, I didn't manage to squeeze it
0: into the show last week, uh, but it was. Um, worth a mention was uh, Acorn uh, TV, which is, a I think it's an English company, but they're operating in quite a number of uh, quite a number of markets, and they're streaming uh, a bunch of British uh, TV content at the at the moment. Um, Doc Martin. What have we got? Line, Line. of Duty. Broadchurch. Uh, seasons of uh Grant Chester which is a 1950s detective uh drama um and they're producing some of their own content there's you know a, a, a bunch there uh, and it's i guess it just adds into the um you know the many choices that we have for uh, for streaming content but there'll certainly be some situations where this is you know this is fulfills a uh you know a, a segment need. um yeah of the of the mm. uh, of the market and yeah somebody I, I came across in the last few days this was you know i think it was just what their parents wanted or they wanted uh in terms of this was the, the the uk type uh, yeah. english tv content that they mm. uh that they
1: enjoy so mm. um yeah well i th- it's interesting that I th- Seeing this coming out, and um, um, mentioned to you earlier around, uh, you know, Disney Plus coming out uh, mm. later in the year, uh, we're seeing um, more and more um, pay per service um, sort of streaming services coming out. Getting quite fragmented, isn't it? Very much. This and, one's eight dollars yeah. a month.
0: We've got uh, uh, the Apple TV Plus. I think will be nine
1: dollars a month. Do we know? A, have you seen a price for what Disney? Um, Disney oh, I can't remember. It's used? not huge. It's yeah. it's in so, that region of yeah, eight to yeah. twelve. I think yeah um, but what it does highlight is if you think about um, the uh, the spend that people are willing to make a month in streaming services it's going to come to a point where people start making decisions about turning one streaming service off you know to go with another yes um, and I know for me personally I've I pay for two services at the moment. One I've been going. Oh, am I getting? Am I watching enough to, to really pay for it every month? Um, you know, if one of these new services comes along, and it's like oh, actually that'll tip me over them over the mark to to drop one and pick up another. So we could see um, with this fragmentation, I think we'll start seeing a um, you know fragmentation of that market share and yeah. people um, making more decisions about um, you know what services they really want to watch. You know, rather than just having something they can turn on whenever they need to. Agreed. Yeah. Um, yeah.
0: Disney Plus uh launches november nineteen it 's going to be nine dollars ninety nine so yeah yep. another one to uh, to add add into the uh, add into the mix um, also on subscription services I see today that uh, Google are going to be jumping in with their Google play Pass which uh, bundles together three hundred and fifty Android uh, games. And apps uh, looks like it'll probably land at uh, the same sort of price point mm. as what we're seeing from um, Apple Apple Arcade. So uh, I guess Google don't want to be outdone there, and no. they've uh,
1: they, they, they've managed to pull something uh, something together down that track. I think it'll be interesting seeing um, you know gaming services mature and become more and more mainstream. You know, the uh, I think as a Uh, a dad of young kids you know gaming's not huge in our household um, but I can see um, it becoming something that grows over time Mm. Um, and you know something I'm starting to get a bit more interested in as as an activity that you know I'm quite keen to have a go at in, in the house yeah um Whereas it's probably been a, uh, I guess, the sort of stereotypical, you know, um, teenage young lad sort of tinkering away, um, mm. you know, on a game. It's becoming a lot more mainstream, um, and more and more of these services coming out. I think will, um, you know, add to the proliferation of content that's that's out there and the choices that people have. Mm, mm.
0: Now, uh, looking back at last week, I was uh, I was in Tokyo with uh, with HP for. Uh, to to two or three days, and the event that I w- I was at sort of del- delved into uh, a little bit of how our our ways of working uh, are changing. Um, and uh, I mean, Asia is certainly a place where we're seeing the. The rural populations sort of converge more and more on cities. Mm. Uh, so we've, there was a, there was sort of talk around that, around the, the, the change in sort of where we work from, the, the gig economy type thing where, you know, people do a bit of work for this entity and a bit of work for another and don't mm. necessarily have a, you know, a fixed place to work from. Uh, we're now able to work from... Uh, aeroplanes in a in a you know, in a connected manner
1: that we weren 't you know that to too, it used you know, to be my sanctuary ago. you know going yes. flying somewhere and not being able to connect but uh, it's sort of having it available on a flight these days sort of almost makes me feel compelled like I need to connect know, in you, and check yeah. on things But I, um, I,
0: I'd, I'd miss that time on uh, on the, the you know, sort of longer air New Zealand flights up to the US and so mm-hmm. on that was always yeah as you say it was kind of that just uh, switch off time so I I'd, I'd sort of forced myself to anyway take a bit of a, a break at uh, at, at times, can be good. Uh, good thinking time. The mm. um, well, last week, I was on Qantas, so uh, you know, again, uh, you know, a uh, plug for the 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 the, um, the Kiwi versus the Australian side because they don't they don't actually and and maybe this is a good thing in some ways, but they don't have uh, internet on their international flights
1: right. um, uh, versus uh, in, in New Zealand. So uh, I remember uh, uh, probably about. Um, uh, four years ago we took our, our family on a, on a um, bit of a trip and uh, in the space I did a work trip and then a family trip but in the space of about four weeks um, I was accessing the internet you know ten kilometres above sea level on a plane and then um, we were in a, um, uh, in a train going through the, um, the channel Yes. Uh, and you know unbroken high speed internet you know you know, underground under the ocean um, f- phenomenal Amazing, you know, it was available it? everywhere yeah. and uh, yeah and I look at um, uh, you know young folks these days. Um, you know, internet access is the first thing they search for wherever they go. You yeah. know, where can I get Wi-Fi? And, yeah. um, you know, kids come to visit home, and it's like, what's your Wi-Fi code? Um, yeah. It's it's yeah. Um, it's almost like breathing. Yes.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's become yes. Um, yes. Yeah, yeah, such, such a key. Such a key thing. And I mean, I still look back not that not that many years as a. As a youngster, when the you know the internet sort of was uh, yeah, technically existed, um, you know my father worked in the in the world of uh, the universities. At the, he was at the Canterbury University sort of maths department, mm-hmm. working in a in a uh, in a tech uh, type role there for a pretty lar- large um, uh, chunk of his career. Um, and you know, whilst he would have had internet and email and so on there within the university, I was interested in technology topics and was going off to the library to you know pick up outdated information yep. printed on in these things called books. Um, and you know, to just to think of the pace at which we can get access oh. to information today, and in which mm-hmm. we can share information and collaborate um yeah it's it's uh it 's a whole whole different world um but it was yeah it was fascinating the um the the event that h uh, p put on and um, in in one case they had a um, an australian woman whose name i 'm trying to remember um, they, gave, they gave me a copy of her book um but i, I didn 't didn't write it down, so I might have to come back on that one. Might um, put it in the notes. Um, but she was uh, was talking about her her business and how she transitioned from being a traditional everybody working in the office, sort of nine to five, and you know how she was sort of very um, you know scared of of people working from home because you can't see whether they're working or not yep. and so on. And then how one of her her. Um, uh, key people, I think it was sort of her you know her, her right hand woman um, you know a very key part of her business you know came to her one day and said, oh, I want to uh, I want to go and, and travel and um, yeah I'm going to be in South America for whatever the period was it was maybe you know two months or or more and That's and cool. then uh, dropped on her and said, but I'm happy to keep going with the workload that I've got, and to take the work and 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 do it with me around my travel. Mm. And when she sort of weighed that up of, of losing such an important person, uh, and uh, and that began a journey for her her business mm. to you know a whole whole new way of a uh, whole new way of working. And um and and in fact, when this particular staff member, uh, you know, came came back, um. You know, she said, "Well, actually, I don't want to be in the city anymore. I, you know, I want to be further out, with you know, the lifestyle's a little bit better. I don't have to deal with the traffic." Oh, it's Certainly, becoming and, way more uh, popular now. Yeah, uh, yeah,
1: I've got a friend um, went to high school in Dunedin. He's a, um, a senior software developer for a, an open source um, um, platform, and he is the uh, he's a team lead for. Well, I'm not sure his official title. I think he calls himself a code ninja, but he's uh, but he leads a, um, a global team of developers um, yes. who all don't work in the same office. You know, yeah. he, he works from home from a, a little shed, um, and they um, they meet up globally a few times a year, plan out um, a series of sprints and their priorities for for the upcoming quarter, uh, and then you know collaborate at, at all hours. Um, so he he works weird hours, um, but he has the flexibility to you know engage as a as a family man and and um, do the working side of things. Yeah, as well
0: i think i think it yeah it 's very cool to see that and it, and i think it it has been mostly led by the the tech firms and the you know mm. software um, you know companies and startups and so on. But we're now we're now started you know we, well uh,
1: we we yeah we're certainly seeing that mm. spread spread a lot mm. more. And I think we're seeing um, in terms of the mainstream adoption um, uh, is um, the increase in flexible working practices. So allowing so I know um, even Internet Internet NZ we have uh, um, you know all of our staff have the ability to, to work from home you know um, when it's required um, you know. If you've got a sick kid, you can you can be home. You can still work. Um, we've invested quite a bit in improving our uh, meeting room technologies, um, so we've now got the same kit in all of our offices, um, which means running video conferences with folks who are off-site at home back into our meeting rooms. It's just seamless, and it works incredibly well. Fantastic,
0: yeah, hmm. yeah. And I th- I think every time I hear more of these things, because within um, within. My main business within Gorilla, I mean, a lot of what we do is face-to-face with customers Mm. and so on, and so, you know, keep, and there's a level of that that we do do, but it keeps pushing me to think, well, you know, what can we do next? How do we, you know, how do we make sure that, um, you know, we're creating the best environment for our team, Mm. and then also it's how do we have to, um, you know, keep evolving what we offer, uh, to support our clients hmm. because they're also working, you know, in different hours. Yep. So, you know, I I would prefer if we could, you know, limit limit the hours to serve the customers. Mm-hmm. So, so our team aren't having to do things nights and weekends. Yep. From a perspective of having empathy for our team, mm. but you've got to have uh, empathy for uh, you know for those you're working with Absolutely. as well. And so yeah. the they, you know there's something of a balancing act there in Definitely. terms of how you do that and how you get those hmm. right results. And it's you know it's I. I guess that will will be something that will continue to evolve yeah. over the years ahead.
1: And I, th- I think you know, having flexible working practices doesn't mean working all hours. No. And it's also understanding, and this is something I I, um, I have to work on personally uh, as well, uh, is uh, if I choose to work you know, um, late because maybe I've done some stuff looking after the kids during the day, that's my choice, but I need to make sure that the emails that I'm sending or um, the things I'm chucking into instant messaging um, are not impacting on my team members who are um, um, who may be working just normal hours that day? So, um, my decision to work late shouldn't mean that others in my team, you know, need to be picking up and receiving and responding to messages. So, it's yeah, about, the technology mm, doesn't isn't
0: always quite there on on mm. that stuff, right? I mean, it would be great if every IM system would would just give you that option to say, "Hey, I want to push this through, mm. but you know, just just delay it
1: so it arrives in a it's, in a normal time frame," and mm. you know, some some of those sorts of things, right? And it's about building, um, so I guess, cultural norms in terms of yeah. how you use these tools. So, you know, things like Slack have, you know, um, do not disturb features on them, um, but you can overwrite those if Mm. you, um, you know, use a a direct um, app message on someone. Yes. um, So it will pop up on their phone. So I think uh, as a team agreeing, you know, what the norms should be and sticking to those, I think are really important. Mm. So Mm. it's about, you know, technology, people and process, not just the tech. Yes. Um, But it's, uh, you know, we have a world where we can be a lot more flexible. We've got, you know, improving internet connectivity that allows us to work from anywhere. Mm. Um, we've got these tools that allow us to work from anywhere. I mean, we're sitting here with, with laptops connected and, um, you know, able to, to do pretty much anything we need as if we were at our own desk. Yeah. And, uh, I think it's wonderful. It is. It's very cool. Um, so the, the sort of the, the highlight, I guess, of the
0: – or the focus – uh, for HP's event, as well as sort of talking about those things of of you know the ch- the change of of work and and so on, uh, because they are they're, they're a product company. Uh, is their new laptop that's uh, launching? I think it's going to be available sort of November type time timeframe. Uh, it's called the HP Elite Dragonfly, and uh, you know, Elite being their sort of enterprise business class um, you know range of. Uh, devices is a sub one kilo uh, laptop, nice with a uh, thirteen inch uh, screen, up to uh, up to two terabyte worth of SSD type storage, sixteen gigs of RAM, varying varying screen options. I think from you know touch and non touch and you know four K. Uh, type resolution um, sim card, so you can it's designed to be i guess that that device that has you know a reasonable amount of you know power and performance mm. uh, but is small enough and and light enough just to be able to take take yeah. wherever um, and then it's a sort of magnesium alloy um, you know build so it, it actually actually looks quite nice. Um, so, hmm. yeah, nice nice to see uh, that as time goes on, we're getting, I guess, more sort of niche offerings in terms hmm. of, you know, hardware. It, it used to be that, you know, there was kind of one ThinkPad and, you know, HP had uh, had one or, you know, a small number of devices. In fact, somebody shared with me the other day um a story now I'm trying to remember whether it was that they oh, I think yeah, um, someone who's been been on the show and I think he must have uh, worked for HP at, at, for a time or or worked with HP and he was uh, uh, sharing a story about I think it was when um, Meg Whitman joined uh, joined HP and you know they gave her this big chunky laptop. And she, the she handed it back and said, "Bring me one of these that looks like a MacBook." Yeah, um, and we have seen that sort of change where it's not now not just Apple that make you know the laptops and devices that actually look nice. you know they they look nice <laughs> as well as being functional they don't weigh a, you know they don't weigh a ton and um, yeah certainly certainly the case with the um, with the dragonfly it's a really nice Light piece of gear, but you know, incredibly, uh, incredibly
1: functional. So I'd love to see yeah. what the battery life on that would be like. It's sort of, it seems to me for the um, with the, the portable world we're in, you know, mm. battery seems to be the, the sort of the, the killer element or killer feature for for laptops these yeah. days. Yeah, well, that was that was actually their
0: other um, sort of big highlight was a really long battery life. So their sub kilo one, they talk sixteen hour battery life That's now. I sort of never quite believe the published figures because the way I use a laptop, I'm sure, is different from their lab tests. Sure. So I tend to say, oh, yeah, maybe half of that. Um, and then there's one that's weighs slightly more, I, I don't know, the exact weight, but someone said, oh, maybe 100 grams or so, so not mm. a lot more. Uh, they would do fifty percent more, so up to twenty four hour battery life so you know that mm-hmm. that would cover the working day for probably yeah, most, most of people. us if we couldn 't get near yeah. any power or what have you which pretty pretty mm-hmm. impressive i thought and oh, definitely for especially at that you know very light and and um, you know portable uh, end of things.
1: So yes. I was just reflecting on your comment before about the um, how there used to be uh, less of a range of laptops, mm. and I think it's back in the days when it was common to have desktop computers, you know, on, in most offices and, and like at home. Everything. And uh, you know, you walk around No uh, Noel Leeming's or JB Hi-Fi or um, wherever looking for a new computer, um, there are none. You know, it's laptops, and yes, so. Yeah. Um, and I think the reason now you can have so many niche options is that desktops have been replaced by laptops, and so there's a opportunity for a lot more variety to replace you know all those different um, desktop options that used to exist. Yeah, yeah, that's. I'm sure that's. Uh, that that certainly certainly helped
0: and yeah i think the uh, you know the brands are sort of you know stepping up to cater to those different mm. you know those different needs as well right they've got Pretty to much. differentiate to get our to get our buying uh, buying dollar and you yeah, i think of um yeah uh, most of the the pc laptop brands you know going back not too many years they none of them looked very nice no. at all, whereas, yeah, the dragonfly, it's sort of this, what do they call it, dragonfly blue, that this, you know, nice sort of, um, I guess, patina or, you know, colour... Um, on the magnesium uh, alloy case, which um, I think they uh, 've gone heavy on the magnet well, it 's a strange way to say it. heavy on the magnesium because magnesium lighten. lightens up the de- <laughs> the, 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 yeah. the, the device
1: um, yeah so uh, and I think the usability of um, these devices improved particularly in the tablet space. Uh, I remember selling one of the um, uh, working for an i t company and trying to sell the original sort of Microsoft um tablets yes, uh, yes. with a you know um, reversible screen and um, and it was difficult to find use cases that made it compelling um just because it was clunky hardware you know the software wasn't refined and the performance wasn't great and so yeah, technically it could
0: do some handwriting recognition you could yeah. draw on the screen, but in actual fact it was yeah just just not that functional yeah. right whereas i grabbed the um in fact i put a video up on on you know a couple of my social the social media uh, channels last week when i i was there so some listeners will have will have seen it and you know picked up the thing hadn't used it before someone just sort of you know grab the camera and and um and 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 you know shot sort of 30 seconds of video and Picked it up, grab because it. Uh, I think it comes with a stylus, or it's an mm. o- an optional, so you can scribble on the screen. And it's got that that what they call X three sixty in the HP world, which means mm. you can fold the screen back on yep. itself. So you know, flip that over and started you know scribbling on the screen, and mm. uh, yeah, it was it was just so functional and so so easy to use. So we've certainly
1: come a long way, certainly. Um, you know from from that perspective yeah. with 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 the software. I was looking at a um, recently had uh, um, replaced my youngest daughter 's uh, Chromebook with a um, a new uh, laptop and we went with a similar kind of entry level uh, notebook mm. um, we chose to go with the Microsoft one this time had a touch screen came with a stylus um, and um, my daughter natively switched from you know Chrome as an operating system to Microsoft um, yeah you know, just seems to pick stuff up, mm. and um, but you know, really comfortable with the stylus drawing on the screen, and, um, uh, and I was like, you know, do you want a bit of a hand there? You know, Dad knows how some of this stuff works. <laughs> Leave it to me, Dad. I'm fine. You know, just go away. And, and, and what uh, sort of price point? That that was around five hundred, five hundred and fifty bucks. It's, uh, so really cheap um and you know it's fit for purpose for a, a young student um sort of a year seven um, you know with sort of basic um you know Microsoft office suite and um uh, and they also use Google apps quite a lot as well but yeah you know, it just it just works and um and I think of the the power that 's in that really basic entry level is far beyond you know what we used to deal with you know a decade ago, yes yeah,
0: yeah. Oh, that's good. Um, now, the a um, couple of things we talk about before we sort of jump into um, internet and NZ, um, Vodafone uh, T- TV. Now we've got it plugged in, and those that are—I'm not sure whether those that are watching the um, whether we can feed this into our um, uh, stream because I know some of some of you may be watching the. Um, the Facebook live stream that we have of the the podcast, um, and if you're watching that, then um, Gary has probably just yep looks like he's flicked that up, um, so you can just see the, the those those people can kind of see the user interface. For everyone else, um, this new Vodafone TV box, and we we talked about the the original one going back probably be nearly two years ago now that we first got uh, got hands on with that, and mm-hmm. it was. I guess um, Sort of a replacement For a a Sky box But um, You know They ended up with Variations on how You could use it So you could use it Without a Without paying anything For Sky And you'd get You know Some free view channels uh, As well as a few apps This new uh, Vodafone TV box I guess leverages vodafone uh, new zealand 's relationship with the you know Vodafone um, uh, group, even though they 're no longer owned by them and uh, you 've got a, a reasonably small set top box there uh, now uh, one hundred and seventy nine dollars mm-hmm. uh, one off purchase price includes half a terabyte of cloud storage, and they've got what they refer to as a sort of three-way, uh, three-day uh, rewind on sort of 90% of wow. um, free view type content and, and so on. And then, um, you know, a bunch of apps that it that sort of has pre-installed in terms of Netflix and YouTube and Neon, the uh, on-demand stuff from TVNZ and uh, and, and, and TV3, uh, Lightbox is there, um stuff's new play uh play stuff uh and I think there'll there'll be others that uh you know that that you can add on from there uh, as as well, and look, we've only just turned it on this afternoon because I was away uh, la, la, last week, and um, yeah, didn't get a chance to dive into it. But I will have a little bit more of a look at that, and we'll, we'll give it a bit more discussion on the podcast. Uh, probably the biggest thing that it, that it's missing uh, right now is uh, if you want to ru- watch the rugby world <laughs> sparks not um, <laughs> yeah. on there, it's you know probably too new for them to join up the dots. Um, but I imagine that that could. Quite easily be um, you know yeah, be be, know. be an option um, in the future. And it's just really nice to see some of these more um, affordable and accessible mm. sort of add-ons for those that don't have a smart uh, TV or their smart TV. Mm. Yeah, you know, can't run all the latest stuff that we've now we've now got some other options for uh, you know consuming content and for content coming in over the internet and of course this does also um, yeah you know, the original Vodafone TV box you could only use it as a Vodafone customer this one will work with you know any ultra fast broadband connection or um, uh, Vodafone's um, hybrid fibre um, cable network I imagine although their their um, documentation doesn't. State it, that it probably work fine on a on a VDSL connection and and um, and so on and you know possibly in the future even on a satellite um, connection. Mm. So um, yeah, that and uh, probably the um, the Smart View device that we talked about earlier, yeah. um, you know, quite reasonably priced and, and accessible mm. gadgets for for content yeah. streaming. Right?
1: Yeah, totally. And I think it reminds me of. Um I guess the transition um, to Freeview. You know, mm, so you had mm. uh, you know a population with, with older TVs um, moving to these kind of set-top boxes, which um, you know ran Freeview, uh, and then over time um, the new TVs coming through with Freeview embedded. So um, we've got smart TVs coming in with you know all these apps built in, but we still have a, a large population. Um, I'm, I'm assuming that they don't have the latest and greatest TVs, um, and so these set-top boxes are you know bringing that you know that functionality to that um that older technology so yeah mm. great mm. to see a, there's a range of different choices and options out there for folks
0: yeah yeah um now at the other end of town on um on spending money um Cars and car technologies, uh, you know, listeners know this is an area of interest uh, for me. Anything that's got got taken, I'm uh, I'm very curious about it, and and, and what it can do to, um, you know, make our lives more fun or or, or better in some way. Um, so, spend a bit of time looking um, at at what BMW BMW sort of newest uh, newest cars are are up to, and and trying out a, a few of them um, earlier today actually. And it's been a little while since I've sort of, you know, delved in to see, to see their tech. Uh, I think the probably the first time from a, a technology standpoint that I, I'd sort of delved into what BMW were up to would have been at CES going back maybe six years when they were, um, this is the Consumer Electronics Show in, in Las Vegas, mm. that happens each January, uh, and they had a, a a big setup up there, kind of outside the main uh, show, where you could see their new uh, i three their new electric um, you know car, and that was a whole new platform and a you know whole new array of of technology and very much sort of a tech enabled uh, car at, mm-hmm. at the time um, and of course that's you know they 're still uh, you know still being sold uh, today um but the, it does does certainly seem as though um, you know BMW are, are really transitioning and I think the, the the competition that we see in lots of other spaces uh, is, is is very real in the mm. in the in the motoring world and the, you know these more traditional uh, auto companies have um, have have really cottoned on to you know the importance of being more agile and and, and moving at more pace and sure. uh, you know I was asked asking them around, well, you know, where are you at with, with software updates mm. for your vehicles? You know, it's always frustrated me that, uh, you know, you, you buy this vehicle and then, you know, the new features come out, but they're not, Apply nothing's available on, on, on that car unless you buy another car. Um, and up until last week, I'd never purchased a, a, a new car you know myself ever um, and you know pushed by the the, the tes- tesla's technology I, uh, I I succumbed after uh, you know placing a reservation back in 2016 wow. and, uh, uh, and bought there but uh, look you know BMW are doing some some cool stuff and and um, you know one of the things that uh, came through as a software upgrade for um, Tesla's this year was this ability to uh, you know, tap into all the cameras that are in the uh, in the car and actually you know record footage back to a USB stick rather than have to plug in a you know a dash yeah. cam and run a wire down mm-hmm. and so on. Uh, you know, very useful if you have an accident to just be able to capture the last few minutes worth yeah. of uh, worth of video. Um, what I wasn't aware of is BMW are doing exactly the same right. thing for cars that I think that have been built in the last. Uh, maybe yeah, ten months or so since sort of late uh, 2018. Yeah. Uh, yeah, these these vehicles have got uh, you know have got cameras in there for for navigation and staying within the lanes and similar sorts yeah. of things to to what um, you yeah, know Tesla and others are uh, are, are doing. And uh, yeah, they're going to be rolling out an update in the next uh, in the next I think two months or so where. Yeah. Yeah, you, know, you will be able to take some of that footage and to um, and you know to take it away. Which, yeah, accident situation, very good. Um, I, I'm curious though around it's a few warning flags for me popping up. Yeah, about yeah. the pri- privacy sort yeah. of um, you know aspects, and I, I can imagine you know a company coming along and sort of you know saying to people, look, you know, if you give us all the all the, all the video footage, you can pull in off your Vehicle will give you, you know, something dollar a month, whatever mm. you know, whatever it is, and suddenly they're kind of, uh, uh, you know, pulling in, you know, massive, massive amounts of data, which yeah. you know it could be good for mapping. It could be, yeah, there's 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 so many different Lots uses. Of some of those are quite legitimate, mm. um, but also we would need to have some, you know, some caution mm. around around, uh,
1: you know, mm. how how you utilize that uh, that well, data. Well, if you think back to um, when uh, Google did all of their street view uh, mapping, um, and that was sort of a point in time, you know, taking photos of of things happening, um, or at least providing a view of that point in, that place at that point in time, Mm. Uh, and lots of unexpected things popping out through those, you know, people being caught in uh, situations, perhaps they didn't want to be on a a camera. Now, if you've got that stuff happening uh, in more real time, everywhere, um, uh, you know, Things like privacy, um, you know, really start popping up in terms of um, you not only protecting the um, the the privacy of the the footage about mm-hmm. your vehicle, but also what are, what are you capturing about other people and how mm-hmm. do you protect their privacy? Uh, so. Uh, privacy by design, security by design are, th- you know, things I, I hope that, you know, these, um, uh, manufacturers are, are building into their products and, and yeah. thinking long and hard about, yeah. and not just that it's a, it's a cool use of technology, but just also how could it be applied and used in, um, in terrible ways as well. And we've seen some examples of, you know, terrible uses of the internet, um, this year. And, um, you know, if you've got a, a you know, vehicles that can, um, you know, have cameras running all the time, you know, there's some things that pop to mind for me, uh, you know, ways in which it could be, you know uh used in and not the greatest way so so uh, sounds exciting but i think you know there's needs to be some caution and some um some you know process around how we manage that yeah of course i you know i guess the the bit, and and
0: and and i you know I agree on those things but my my point in mentioning that one is just hey you know it's good, it's good to see bmw and, mm. and these other um you know there are other companies too that are um that are, I guess, sort of you know modernising in their approach Picking to technology and yeah, yeah. And, and 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 moving along faster. So um, I was certainly you know although I've you know I've got the uh, the Tesla and you know I'll be sharing a few videos and 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 so on um, online about that and we you know we will include coverage. You know this podcast is you know has always been about hmm. talking about what's going on more broadly than what you know yeah. one vendor or another is is doing. Hmm. Um, so I'll certainly be spending some time yeah you know, looking a bit closer at what. BMW are up to and and I'll you know get back in some of the other the other vehicles because it does you yeah. know really seems like the pace is is picking totally. up. Totally. And uh, you know I think it's going to be pretty exciting with with mm. you know what our cars can can
1: do for us over the over the next uh, next few years. Absolutely and again it could be a space where um you know technology starts outpacing you know regulation and and laws and uh it's going to be a really interesting space to watch. Mm.
0: mm. Um, Now, we'd better have a little bit of a uh, a chat about what's happening at uh, Internet
1: NZ, David. Yeah, so I've um, I've joined Internet New Zealand uh, uh, back in June of last year. Um, I was have been away from the group for a couple of years and spent prior to that about four years working for the the NZ Registry. So, um, which was I think when we first met. Yeah, and yeah, were, yeah. absolutely. And so um, the organisation's gone through a bit of a change over the last eighteen months. So, uh, at the start of twenty eighteen, um, Internet NZ was a, a group of three organisations. Um, the registry function was a subsidiary with a sister company called uh, the Domain Name Commission. Um, NZRS is merged into Internet New Zealand. Um, so it sort of simplified the, uh, the overall structure of the organisation. Um, yep. And um, so that's meant that we've got a... Um, a whole new kind of focus, um, a strategic focus as an organisation, because Internet NZ is now both the registry function and also its whole uh, membership-based function as well. So, um, in the last uh, twelve months, we've done some really neat stuff thinking about what is the um, the, the direction for Internet NZ into the, the next sort of three, five years and beyond. Um, and we've come up with uh, as part of our sort of core strategy or um, purpose around helping New Zealanders harness the power of the internet. And I'll caveat that with for good. Um, we've got three uh, kind of key focus areas which are internet for all uh, security and trust and openness so regardless of um, the types of work that we do as an organisation most of our work should be touching one of those three focus areas so so that'll give people some clarity around you know uh, what our um, uh, areas of interest are, and so from a dot um, NZ perspective, we've got a really strong focus at the moment around security and trust. We've um, building, um, we've got a, a review happening now of the dot NZ policy framework. Uh, we've got an external um, um, group of advisors that are. Um, Working on um, providing Internet NZ with some views around what are some of the issues that are um, that need to be considered around um, the .dot .nz domain name space um, and we'll look at then how that folds into a reviewed um, and revised policy framework. Um, we're also looking at how do we um, look at security across the whole ecosystem of, of .nz as well. So with our, um, we have a channel of registrars that sell domains to the public. They have channels of resellers that sell. Um, and across that whole ecosystem, how do we strengthen and build um, security across that? Uh, and then finally, in the openness space, um, it's been an area that's, I think, um, uh, been... Yeah, come under a lot of um, – uh, well, it's been in the limelight over the last um, probably six months with yeah. the, um, you know, the the events of Christchurch, um, the subsequent Christchurch call action. Um, uh, and um, one of my colleagues, Alan's actually in New York at the moment, um, uh, you know, representing Internet NZ and some civil society over there. Um, and so we're seeing some changes happening there with um, an increasing number of organizations and governments wanting to um, – you know really rally around the the Christchurch call um, and bring about change um, and for internet nz 's um, area we 're really wanting to ensure that, that there 's balance in that conversation um, so that we 're doing what we can to minimize the the harms and you know, and stop extremist and, um, and violent content on the internet, um, but also balance that with freedoms and take into account how the internet 's actually built so that we 're not trying to create sledgehammers that break fundamental parts of the internet. Um, so, strategy-wise, you know, we've got a, a pretty clear space that we're um, we're focusing on, um, and in terms of the activity, we're up and um, well. Some of the things I'm focusing on at the moment. Um, I look after the, the commercial area, so Internet NZ's a not-for-profit, we're a membership based organisation um, and we derive most of our, um, our revenues from um, the sale of .nz domain names um, and then we turn all of that money back into the, the public good aspects of the organisation and the work we do I think last year we um, through a series of grants, sponsorship um, we gave away over 800000 um, New Zealand dollars um, so really keen to, to grow and evolve and um, and increase the impact of what we can do with the, the funds we receive Um, and part of my focus is diversifying our revenues through a range of new products and services Um, one of the products we've had for a while now um, is the national broadband map Uh, it's not really something that runs um, uh, you know to generate um, revenues it's been an excellent service in helping aggregate a, a view of all of the different types of internet technologies that we've got running in New Zealand. Definitely. Um, great, gr- I mean, great, yeah. great resource, yeah. and you know, I think a lot of our mm. listeners will have, uh,
0: will have will have used it, and uh, yeah, th- you know, all of us hear from from people who you know, don't have the best of internet where they're, where they're at, and they mm. you know they maybe have no idea around. What the options are, sure, uh, and so I'll, yeah. I'll often, you know, when someone's saying, "Oh, you know, I'm in you know, such and such area, and I can't get a good mm. internet connection, and you know, utilize the the broadband map mm. and." Um, and other resources to try and yep. figure out
1: is there, is there a better option? Well, and I think there are options out there yeah. and uh, I know there aren't options out there for everybody at the moment um, but I think what we're able to do with the broadband map is at least show what options are available where. Um, we we work with about 30 different data providers that give us data uh, and that's a range of the um, the fibre companies um, so the, the Corus, the Ultra Fast Fibre, Lightwire, etc um, giving us their coverage maps for the rollout of new um, fibre connectivity we get the, um, the DSL um, data from Chorus for ADSL and VDSL. Uh, and then we work really closely with a range of wireless ISPs, which a lot of people may not know much about, um, but they're the organisations that are doing that rural broadband connectivity, um, putting towers on the top of mountains and um, creating line of sight um, connectivity wirelessly to, to homes to, you know, to get internet. Um, and that's part of the Rural Broadband Initiative um, that's being funded through Crown Infrastructure. Um, but there are a large number of wireless providers that are just rolling stuff out because that's what they feel needs to happen and they're building internet for community which is a wonderful thing it is it is it's
0: it's it's very pleasing to to see the way that um, you know those communities and and um, you know individual uh, families are able to be you know connected it up hmm. when they're maybe not able to connect to uh to fiber and yep. you certainly hear frustrations of <laughs> of people on i do anyone on a regular basis there's fiber running straight past my front door oh, and it's I want to plug you know, into it yeah <laughs> it's, uh, it's it's not not quite as simple as that when no. it's the the connection that runs from one city to another you can 't just uh yep. you know uh, tap in and 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 hang off that so yep. um you know these um uh wireless internet service provider type options mm. and um, uh, yeah the varying um you know, rural broadband sort of connectivity mm. uh pieces uh
1: I think incredibly uh, important. To, absolutely. To us. Um, and so we've we've had the broadband man, broadband map kicking around now for about three and a half years, um, relatively unchanged. And so we're now embarking on a on a roadmap of improvements. Um, uh, and I was just showing you earlier um, today some of the um, uh, what our new site um, you know is going to look like. Um, and then we're looking to improve the functionality, increase the ability for us to add new layers of information in. Um, and one of the areas I'm interested in adding in is potentially um, satellite connectivity, so that if there is no coverage in a particular area, we can also showcase, um, you know, kind of a, a, a last technology of resort. Um, but it may not be a last um, technology with things like the Pacific um, satellite coming out. You know, mm. you're going to get increased um, uh, performance um, through that. And I'm aware now that there are some, um, you know, unlimited plans for satellite connectivity. It's not as expensive as it used to yeah. be. Yeah, no, I
0: mean there. Are, I think there that's available now at sort of sub two hundred dollar price points and when. Mm. It's Pacific if it comes out the performance will will go up totally uh, so yeah that's uh uh, yeah, that's that's a big change from from yeah. where, where we were, uh, uh, you know,
1: even probably a, a year ago, yeah. Um, or not too yeah, not too far yeah. off that. Now, have you been to one of our NetHui conferences? I have. Cool. Yes, so we've yes. got our, our um, annual NetHui conference running uh, next week in Wellington at Tapapa on the third and fourth mm-hmm. of October. So, um, uh, we're expecting probably around about three hundred and fifty folks um to that. Um, and one of our um key highlights we've got um Prime Minister um, Jacinda Ardern um one of our keynotes, so that's right. um, being excellent, um, and a big focus for NetHui is um, looking at um, sort of safety and inclusion on the internet um, in the light of um, you know the events of Christchurch, um, subsequent Christchurch call activity. Um, we've been quite heavily involved um, in supporting um, that activity, um, and it's um, you know pleasing to see. I think uh, I just saw today as uh, about thirty-one countries and two new organizations signing up to the Christchurch call. So um, it's building some momentum um, in terms of um, people being focused around um, looking at how we can reduce the harms on the internet, um, but still balance that with the freedoms and the functionality of keeping a, an open internet possible. So um, that's uh, there's challenges to, to navigate, but you know we're really proud of the, I guess, the potential that the internet can bring in terms of creativity and, mm. and the openness of it.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Um what mm. can you tell us about the the new um
0: this new DNS um yeah. you know firewall um
1: so offering that you're going to bring into the local market yeah. So we've got a new product um so uh, which we're looking to uh launch um next month um we're we'll soft launching with a, a few early bird customers, um, getting it bedded in. Um, but effectively, um, we've deployed some uh, DNS infrastructure here in New Zealand, uh, which backends into um, uh, um, a malware protection or well, malware threat feed um, that's um, uh, apart from uh, available from a global provider. Um, and that gives us the ability to uh, allow organisations to divert their DNS traffic through to this um, security product um, and effectively have their DNS um, traffic scrubbed for, for malware, um, phishing, ransomware. Um, and if you look at the Cert NZ data um, each quarter that comes out, you know that stuff just continues to increase. Yes, um, so we're, as part of our focus on security and trust, we're wanting to provide a, um, a really accessible um, product that's quite simple to implement, no hardware, it just enables um, uh, folks to be able to um, point their DNS um, to the service. A couple of caveats with that. Um, uh, initial focus is going to be on businesses who typically have a fixed IP connection. Um, uh, if you've got a changing IP, which most residential connections do, it's going to be a little bit more challenging. So we're, we'll be implementing it in stages. Um, and our focus is to uh, roll it out through managed service providers. So, um, you know, organisations like, like your own um, that provide technology services to to businesses, providing that as a, a service that they can um, embed into the services to their customers. Yeah, um, so it comes with um, that malware protection is um, by default. Um, it does include some um, content filtering options as well. Um, and in line with our uh, recent um, uh, published views around... Um, Blocking or not blocking of content um, we 're really uh, advocating the the decision about what to block to be pushed to um, the edge as much as possible so um, we 're wanting organizations to be able to make decisions about what te- you know what categories of content they may want to to not see in their organization um, and uh, I think moving beyond that, once we've got it bedded in, uh, looking at how we may be able to offer a residential or family services for that as well. So um, it's just about trying to minimise the harm that's out there but still provide uh, you know, an open internet that people can, can access and, and innovate on. Oh, it's great. Mm. You know, it's, good. it's good to see you've got lot, lots of things going on. Uh, probably too many things, but <laughs> it's, um, you know, I'd get bored otherwise. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, well, that's,
0: uh, that's excellent. Well, thanks, everybody, for uh, for listening in to the New Zealand uh, Tech Podcast
1: this week. Now, um, David, what's the best way for people to sort of keep up to date with what's happening at Internet New Zealand? Sure, so um, our um, website, internetnz.nz, is probably the um, the key place to go to. Um, as we launch, um, uh, uh, or as we've... Um, work across the um, all of the work we're doing um, we tend to publish quite a lot through our blog and news feeds on there mm. um, we're uh, on Twitter at um, uh also on LinkedIn and Facebook as well so you know pick your, your preferred social channel or yeah. um, hit us up on the website um, and I'm uh, if people need to connect with me on LinkedIn just uh, go to davidmorrison.nz and um, yeah more than happy to connect and chat with folks that um, want to talk about the work we do much appreciated that's excellent cool Good, good. And uh, you know, listeners who are looking for more podcasts to
0: listen to, uh, just a reminder podcasts.nz. Uh, and there's a few shows that aren't quite so New Zealand focused at worldpodcast.com uh, of course we've got the uh, the EV podcast which is which is one that's had uh, you know, a lot of interest over uh, over recent months uh, we have the New Zealand everyday investor we've got the New Zealand wine podcast uh, you know bun- bunch of shows there uh, and uh, and certainly um, you know there'll be more coming on on stream in the future, so uh, if you're not across those, uh, you know, well worth having a look and uh, and having a listen. And uh, yeah, a reminder ag- again to uh, to follow New Zealand Tech Podcast a- across the, the varying channels. Uh, because this month, as we, we uh, probably next week, we'll announce the new partners that have come on board to support the show. Uh, that means we're we're going to have a little bit more resource to be putting out uh, more content across different uh, different channels. And um, you know, always certainly always encourage uh, feedback uh, from you. So if there's something you're looking for from the show that you think would 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 help you indiv- individually, help your organisation, or you know your community in terms of what we're covering, uh, definitely want to want to hear about that. Um, but yeah, if you if you're following on the uh, those varying channels, um, we'll be on uh, have a NZ Tech podcast. Um, uh, channel or, or you know company type setup I think it comes under uh, now on uh, on LinkedIn as well so we'll be starting to uh, uh, put out a lot more um, through through sort of those social platforms uh, and uh, and the likes of YouTube and and yeah. Facebook as well cool. in terms of videos so oh, uh, exciting times yeah lots lots going well, on yeah. so uh, yeah all right well thanks everyone for listening in we'll catch you again next week cool. see ya thanks